Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And today I'm talking with the brilliant and amazing author and also medium, Athena Demetrios. I was sent a copy of her book, Walking Between Worlds, and honestly, I didn't know if I should put it down or break down. It is one of the most gut-wrenching and yet inspiring books I've ever read. And when you meet Athena, you're going to fall in love with her. So many of us walk the line of trauma and drama in our life. And it's the thing that often defines us. It's the story that we grab a hold of and run with and allow it to replay over and over and over again, which makes every decision that we do concrete, right? That's the story that we play. So that's how we base our basically life decisions going throughout. But what happens if you start talking to the other side? What if the message that comes through is absolute love and adoration? How do you walk the tightrope of despair and victimhood while also being, you know, feeling this emotion of unconditional love and being told that there's unconditional love? Well, if you're Athena, you become a spiritual seeker and then you write a book about it. So one of the things that really hit home to me about Athena is that she was willing to do the work, like really do the work. And this often scares people. It usually scares people off because everyone is looking for the quick fix and the magic pill. So this really, really resonated with me because many people reach out to me all the time and tell me that they want to learn feng shui like I do it. They often ask which books to buy or where they, you know, can learn this level of feng shui, you know, as if it's some fly by night fast food wisdom that can be attained at a weekend course in Santa Barbara. <laughs> That's always my joke. But it's only through 20 years of hard work and investment of over half a million dollars and daily, weekly, and monthly meetings with my grandmaster that I've gleaned this knowledge, combined with also my innate and cultivated intuition, which has been honed, carved, and painfully created through years of study, failure, and practice. And unlike most people, I spend many hours in the evenings and multiple hours on the weekends studying, reading, and meditating to hone my craft. I don't go to the movies. I don't go out and, you know, hang out with people or go out with friends. I do the work. Yes, I'm a little bit addicted. It's kind of my personality, but it's also because I love it and I love what I do and I know about the transformation that happens when people are willing to do the work. And in fact, in China uh, and many other countries too, students actually study for decades under their teachers and gurus before going off on their own path. It's only in the U.S. that we selfishly believe and think that true wisdom can be created in a quick workshop or a weekend course. One reason that I created Mastering Feng Shui was to help students who truly believe in this wisdom just to really give them the ability to dive deep into a new way of actualizing esoteric knowledge perhaps returning to a familiar place and seeing it for the first time. Back in 1776, when the Illuminati and the Freemasons was created, an initiate would be groomed over years and a lot of steps, building his way up to what they believed was true enlightenment. This was a new way of thinking that was completely free from the church. You have to understand back then the church controlled everything. People didn't own land. They didn't even own their thoughts. But knowledge was never given overnight. 
It was given over decades and true wisdom was held supreme over any monetary amount or monetary gain. So the gifting of wisdom was done in a slow sequential order. It was believed that giving sequential secrets over time helped maintain order and gradual advancement of knowledge in a way that the initiate could actually understand it, digest it, lean into it, and hey, how about appreciate it? So I really resonate with this so much because in my early years of feng shui, I didn't want to learn about the fundamentals. I wanted to race and get to the hocus pocus. I wanted to know the secrets. I wanted to know the good stuff. I wanted to know the things that were going to change my life. Far too young, far too immature to truly appreciate how to navigate something far beyond my years. And it's only now as I receive these hungry requests from those who are unsure of their skill set because they've never seen it before, you know, they don't know what this looks like. They think that it's what they read in a book. They're desperate to learn this immediately. So they want to rush to the finish line and get to the hocus pocus. And hey, I get it. I was there too. (laughs) I did it too. But wisdom, no matter what modality it's rooted in, must be honored, respected, and valued. If these keys are missed, the transformation cannot occur because you lack the knowledge to see it occur in the first place. Only from a place of experience can you appreciate all that it has to offer. Sequential secrets given over time and a gradual advancement up the mountaintop are the only way to maintain order, understand it, and find the vision and correctness of an eagle. So where in your life are you rushing to the finish line? In our society, we are in a constant state of flux, piling on way too many things all at once, rather than focusing on one or two important issues. And hey, social media, Ruby Warrington and I talked about this last week. Social media is a landmine for this. It's destroying that deep focus. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you pick up Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. He talks about how if you eliminate social media from your life, the hours that you gain back into your life, what you could learn in the course of three months, six months, nine months, or a year. And let me tell you, I read this book over a year ago, and in the past year, I've eliminated quite a bit of social media out of my life, and I read 56 books last year. So that was pretty big for me because that's not something I could normally do because I didn't have time. So where in your life are you rushing to the finish line rather than really putting in the work? Athena, my guest today, I believe had an innate inner wisdom and an innate inner knowing of her path, whether she chose to recognize it or not. Despite the deep drama and the deep traumas of her life and years of abuse, She chose not to play the victim card and rise to the top. Now, you'll hear in the show today, she talks a little bit how she did go down that path, but she did the work. She did the research and she became a spiritual seeker that changes the lives of her and also changes the lives of others. And it's all through her story. Her book, her story, it's raw, it's unapologetic, and it's fiercely her own. But I guarantee you, each of you will find a piece of yourself within her story. And through her own gradual advancement of knowledge, she has learned how to face those demons head on and reveal wisdom beyond this dimension. I guarantee you are going to walk away a different person after this show today. Real quick, I want to dive into one piece of housekeeping before we get into the show today. Uh, I mentioned this last uh, show with Ruby about the New Year New Energy program. It's now available for purchase. It's up on the website. Uh, I've put together an online class workshop. Um, it's kind of a program. I don't know. It's it's a New Year ceremonial kit uh, class that um, is basically for the New Year, showing you how to call in new energy and get rid of the ick from this year, basically, and call forth dreams and goals 
through the power and principles of feng shui. So these kits will be available uh, or you can purchase these kits up until November 15th because I need the time to put them together, build them and put them on my altar. They will also include an intuitive reading uh, by me for my spirit guides, but we are only going to be doing a limited number of these kits because I'm going to be putting all these together and also doing a reading on you. So I can't do <laughs> you know, 400 of these. So uh, the stones are going to be hand selected by me. And there's also going to be some other goodies in these kits, um, which is really just going to be perfect for the new year to really call in the, the new year energy and really help you focus and do the work necessary um, to get those dreams to come alive. So you can go to my website now. It's on the homepage to purchase or to learn more. Alrighty, today Athena and I will discuss heartbreak, purpose, signing up for more to knock out our soul report card, and how we emerge through the dust like a warrior when we are willing to put in the real work. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I have Athena Demetrios on the show. Welcome, Athena. Well, welcome. Welcome back to you and all of your listeners. I'm very excited to uh, be able to be here and participate. And I feel the same way. So that's reciprocated on this end. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I read your book, Walking Between the Worlds and or Walking Between Worlds. And, you know, your uh, PR firm that you work with, I, I have to give it to them. They send us so many fantastic people. And when they sent over yours, I had read the press release on it and I was like, yes, yes, yes. If, if I could get a copy, please send it over. This sounds fantastic. And, you know, I, it was heart wrenching, but I will say that I have found that a lot of um, deeply spiritual people that I have met, they're on a uh, really deep spiritual path, have just really gone through some shit. And I think that's part of the process. Um, I have found that those who are older souls and, um, you know, have been around the block a few times, it's almost, I feel like when we're in the spiritual realm and we're, you know, the life between lives, we're up there and it's like, there's a checklist in front of us. And there's like, you know, the, the newer souls are like, well, I'll do one or two things. And like us more experienced souls are like, yep, going to do that and that and that and that and that. And we're just checking off as much as we can. <laughs> that, is, that is so true. And oh my gosh, I could not be in more alignment with you and in agreement. I always say it uh, feels to me like I walked into a room and saw all of these bags of laundry, you know, and all these miscolored matches and, and I threw them all in a big bag and said, okay, I'll take them all with me. And felt like my spirit guide said, ah, oh, you don't have to do that. You're immortal. You can come back and do some of it, you know, another time. Oh, no, I'll take it with me. But to me, those were all the experiences. And uh, so I, I completely, completely agree with you. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. And I think many, many times people that uh, have really delved into finding greater empowerment, you know, sometimes that's just been our path back home. So well said, Amanda. I think it's really important for people to understand that because it's not about the loss, but it's about the lessons and so much of our spiritual growth. It's like in order for us to really excel and, and grow at a great level, we have to go through the shit. We have to, as hard as it is, you know, from the human self, from the, the human condition, it's like, oh my God, this is so hard. Why? You know, there, there must not be a God if it's this hard. And, you know, it's like, I I look at someone like you and I commend you. I'm like, man, you checked off everything on that checklist and you're like rocking it. And I think that it's so empowering to have a book like yours because, you know, it's relatable. People can read that and go, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And I feel like you wrote that book to help the other souls kind of like a way shower on their own journey. But what inspired you to write the book? Well, that's, you know, it's an interesting question. What uh, truly inspired me to write the book, now this is after I became spiritually awake, and I call that getting hit on top of the head with a cosmic hammer in 1979. 
and it was uh, quite a an awakening. Uh, literally, it happened almost instantane- instantaneously, but through a lot of big crisis, for sure, a lot of trauma. So what inspired me a little bit down the road, I ran across my mystical muse, uh, Dr. Peoples, the one that I channel now, and he was the one who encouraged me to write about my journey in life. And it took me, Amanda, about 20 five years to write the book. Number one, there was a lot of resistance. Number two, a tremendous fear of being vulnerable and stripped naked for the world to see. And number three, there were still experiences that I needed to grow through and experience. And as my healing uh, continued, then there were these experiences or the lessons that would start to rise to the surface and it was something that I needed to delve into to understand fully but looking back now I'm 72 now and looking back I can see how there was a continuum through all of those and some of them as horrific as they were the good bad and the ugly all had their time their place and their space for the healing so that was that was it and then one last thing here I was in a, in a mall in uh, Westwood, Los Angeles, and had had a lot of resistance about writing the book. I'd start, stop, start, stop. And there was a psychic, I didn't know it at the time, very beautiful woman in her 60s, came up to me and she shook a finger in my face. And she said, your life may very well become a film and a TV movie of the week and you need to be writing, you could be helping millions of women. And so that was really the thing that made me pop the cork because it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't anything to do with any kind of fame or uh, a TV movie of the week or a film. It was, you could be helping millions of women. And that's what, that's what I really thought about. So that was it. That was, you know, what, what was the, um, probably the motivation. And it was hard because there were so many experiences you've read in there that I wanted to run from and hide from because of the shame and, and uh, the exposure. But I knew I had to be so gut level honest in writing it. And so I was, I was extremely honest. And the book has been termed as being very raw. So that was it. Hope that answers that for you. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I I think it is incredibly raw and I'm thankful that you did go there and I'm thankful that you did you really opened up your heart and you you really show a lot of vulnerability which I think for even women, you know, I know society in general we are, you know, we are almost shamed for showing our vulnerability and like, you know, put on your bootstraps and strengthen up and you know, don't yeah. don't don't wear your heart on your sleeve. And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, as I was reading it, there were moments when I had to put it down because I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, like, yes, I know. And a lot of people have that, you know, that response to it. And uh, some of them have to set it aside and, you know, for a bit and they pick it up again. But I have been contacted from people all over that, it is touched or that they've said, I felt like I was reading, you know, part of my own story and I can relate to what you're saying, because if you can do it, or if you can do it, then I can do it too. And that's the thing that warms my heart. That just brings tears to my eyes. Every time I get an email like that, you know, when people, people do that. So I'm thrilled. And I think that's where the beauty of the book is. I think that that's the true gift to the world is just the rawness that it does have. And the fact that, you know, somebody who's reading it is not the only one. As I was reading it, I was thinking of a very, very dear friend of mine. Um, She's been in my life for many years and uh, your story parallels hers. And um, she and I, 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 constantly joke with her that like you it's like she got the menu you know in between lives and was like you know what i'm done with this shit i don't want to incarnate anymore we're just going to knock out both sides of the menu 
this time around. <laughs> oh, so, a woman after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, more is more is more. So, you know, and when you're in the spiritual realm, you have full awareness, you know, you're, you're a multidimensional being, you have full understanding and knowledge. And then you come here and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> going on, you know, and it was like, yeah, coming in, because I remember uh, when uh, Dr. Slavin, uh, who was the uh, the hypnotherapist, he's a, a PhD, actually used me for his case for his PhD, but when he would put me under, I remember, it, you know, Dr. Slavin telling me, he says, your soul takes you where you need to go for healing, which was very true, and then one time I did go before uh, or go to my in-between life before I was born. And that's when I was surrounded by the masters and teachers and how they were showing me my life. And I could see these frames on like this big film strip, almost like they rolled this thing out. And I could see these blockages rise up and I knew they were going to be experiences that I would need to go through but they were showing me what could be and they were showing me what might be and i always say i like to underscore those and bold those two words could and might be because they were showing me how i could change in this life but everything was going to be uh, really determined amanda from the perspective of either being a victim or a creator and i know that being in that state of awareness, it felt overwhelming. When I looked at it, I thought, how am I, got, how am I gonna survive all this? You know, that was the thing. How am I gonna survive it? But I did, and I'm grateful. And I don't carry it around with me anymore. So yeah, it was, it was wonderful. So I feel like it is a gift now to-, to I think it's an incredible gift. And I, I think that, um, you know, uh, myself, I'm an advanced feng shui practitioner and I still work under a teacher to this day. And, you know, my practice is rooted deeply in Buddhism and this idea of non-attachment and that we are spiritual, you know, beings having a human experience. And I think what's so incredible and unfortunate, you know, for a lot of people is that they experience trauma and they get bruised and disappointed and, you know, they don't realize that there is a, a bigger picture. They don't realize that they signed a contract, you know, to go one way or the other to learn something. And a lot of people do end up going down the road of victimhood. Um, oh, yeah. I see it a lot, especially yeah. in, in my world. I see, you know, that, that people just, woe is me. And, and so I'm, I'm curious with as much, you know, you the p bigger picture was revealed to you, which that in and of itself is a gift because that's really, you know, like here, take a peek under the curtain. You know, this is what you need to be doing. But how has that helped you uh, in your healing process? I mean, you've, you've dealt with a lot of pain and, and gone through uh, a lot of trauma and bruises as have many people. Oh, yeah. How did you break away, you know, with or without that vision in your regression, but how were you able to break away from the victimhood and, and, you know, not fall into that place of woe is me? Well, first of all, I did fall into that place of woe is me. And, uh, you know, I think I have a, a quote and I think maybe it's Carl Sandburg, you know, that there's a uh, part of me that wants to soar like an eagle and another part that wants to wallow in the mud like a hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I, I wanted to wallow and I wanted to stand on a mountaintop and, uh, you know, I'm victim of rape and, and, uh, uh, and just I'm victim, victim of it. And I felt that way for a long time. And when I started to do the work and as I progressed in my own healing process, then I also had an experience because my the, the uh, that trauma that I had experienced as a child and it was several rapes between the age of about six and seven, but I always say it distorted the way I viewed life and my mother you know was not a bad person by any means she wasn't she was a wonderful person in many many ways she simply couldn't cope with the loss of tremendous fortune and uh 
what had spiraled us and just to horrific, horrific uh, poverty. She just couldn't cope, so she became an alcoholic. And it was my mother's uh, boyfriend at the time, and I say he always lived in the root cellar um, like a troll. So what, what that uh, uh, eventually led me to was after I did that uh, healing, and I carried a lot of anger and resentment towards my mom, even before she transitioned, because I felt like she was the one who was supposed to protect us. So a lot of times people that experience any kind of uh, trauma like that, uh, it, it's the uh, parent there, the key parent. And so that, that, that took some time, but what really shifted Amanda for me was after my mom had transitioned, I remember asking a medium how she was doing. And he, he told me, he said, she weeps much in her slumber. And those words broke my heart because I thought about myself being back on the spirit side before I incarnated into this life, that in-between life and, and the phenomenal safety, love, and the awareness of my soul and of, of uh, just being aware that I was part of a larger consciousness, part of that consciousness. And I thought, I don't want her to be looking back and feeling like she missed the mark because I know how hard I've judged myself in life. And no one can judge me harder than I've judged myself. And so that was what began the process. Number one, I was able to forgive my mom completely from the heart and not my head. Completely from the heart and not my head. And then with that, looking at victimhood, because healing for me, I know this is a long-winded answer here, but healing for me, was allowing myself to move through the anger, the rage that morphed into uh, uh, the grief and, and uh, so many tears. And, and then the loss, and the loss of what I never had as a child, the acceptance and eventually the forgiveness. And which means backwards, uh, give four. I think that's from A Course of Miracles. Forgive means give four, those who are incapable. And after, after that transpired, then I thought, okay, where would I be if I didn't have this victimhood, if I didn't have the blame to blame it on? I would be like this if I hadn't been raped. I would be like this if that hadn't happened. And so I began to see that was more of a crutch that kept me from being fully alive. So that's when I uh, crossed the bridge and let go of victimhood. So I feel now like I'm a thriver. And, you know, I am just so grateful. And I feel that people may have difficulty understanding this, but I feel very blessed, Amanda, for those experiences because of where I am now in my journey. Amen. I mean, I agree. You are nailing that menu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're doing a great job, but I, I do have a question. You know, sure. I think that um, through it all, I, I think any kind of trauma that somebody goes to, um, you know, I think the first place that we all go to is victimhood because it's oh, what, yeah. you know, woe is me and why is this happening to me? Uh, yeah. not being aware of that bigger picture and that you chose this, which, you know, if you're not in the spiritual world, that blows people's minds. I did not yeah. sign up for this. And it's like, oh, yes, you no, did. No, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. how could that be? How could that be? And I think that, um, you know, the biggest challenge for a lot of people is that when somebody harms them or does them wrong, you know, there is an art to forgiveness. And that human condition, the ego always steps in and says, hell no, I'm not forgiving you. You did this to me. When the bigger picture is, is you got to step back. That's what my teacher always says, is you have to step back and, and look at the, the bigger picture. And I'm curious, you know, now that you've gone through, you know, the stage of the hippo to soaring like an ego or eagle, you know, what, what has forgiveness looked like to you? What has that brought into your own life? To it's it's really a refuge. It allows you to get rid of that victimhood and and soar. So 
how were you able to come to that? And what has it done for you in your life now looking back? I mean, you just said you feel blessed, but for the listeners today, they're probably like, well, one, I'm not forgiving that person. And two, I, you know, I can't do that. I'm never going to soar. So what advice do you have for those people? Well, first of all, I remember uh, as a young teenager being so hard, so bitter, so tuned, tuned out, turned off. And I never thought change was possible, never. And I, I remember writing uh, a little poem one time. I'd looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you know, if I had the power to change, uh, if I had the power to change the things I'd see, I'd change the girl inside the mirror who's looking back at me. And I realized recently I had changed that girl, you know, um, but, it has freed me up in ways that is difficult uh, to explain. One of the beautiful aspects of going back and doing the healing, and I always like to say you know, to any of your listeners out there that if you're listening to this and if you're having a, a hard time, and I don't, you know, it doesn't make any difference what it is, whether it's a breakup of a relationship or a, a, a divorce, a, a uh, sexual abuse, bullying, whatever, anyone that, you know, has truly uh, harmed you or you're carrying all that hurt, it's hard not to replay that anger and that resentment in your head like a broken record. And it just fuels it. And I remember because I wanted that to be fueled. That's honest. I really did. I was so angry and resentful. But that, that'll kill you eventually. It's um, like being stung to death by one bee. And I'm not sure who said that, but it's a quote in my book. But what I began to understand is that, you know, if something is coming up, if something that continues to pull you back in your consciousness that you can't let go of, like it's got a big hook on you or like a, a, a bulldog with, uh, you know, his teeth in your pant leg. And it's coming up for a reason for healing. because. The, your your soul calls upon pain as a divine messenger and it helps you locate your resistance to either this or to that in life and what it's saying is hey look here there's more of who you truly are there's an expansion of the light there's the best of who you are uh, behind this pain so shine that light let's look there and if one is going through something that is difficult my advice, not that people normally listen to it, but I would say find a qualified therapist, number one. You can't be objective normally about your own pain, your own journey. Um, sometimes you need someone to really help you navigate through that storm. That's the first thing. The second is that it's a process. And if I'd say write anything down, it's a process. And my favorite mantra, this too shall pass, and it always does. But allow yourself to move through each stage of the journey. It doesn't happen overnight. You go through the anger, the rage, the, the tears. And I always say, where do all the tears come from? Biggest mystery still to me. But it'll all morph into something else. So that's number two. The third one is allow it to be and let it have its own time and its own space just allow it to be and just let it morph naturally into the next stage of healing. And then I would say the um, third part of that, and this is some wonderful uh, information that was shared by Dr. Peebles, he's the one I channel, is look at the earth as a school and that our experiences are our school books, our lessons. And so if something is coming back to you over and over again, if there's a repeated pattern, don't be afraid you know, to look at it because normally what we wanna shove down is what really needs to bubble up and it tries to. And so let yourself write about it perhaps. How has this relationship served my soul? How has it served my soul? How has this relationship, even though you may hate them and resent them and everything else, but still put on the big girl pants here if you can and, and just say, how has this served my soul? How has it helped me grow? And if you can do that, 
then you're going to extract the gems out of that, out of that relationship um, or what the relationship gave you. Maybe it uh, helped you feel a sense of uh, coming more alive again. Um, maybe it uh, opened up your heart a little bit more fully, but there's gifts. There's always gifts. Find the, find the gem. I would say go diving into the scum of things and uh, extract the gem because that's what's going to help you transform. And the other part of that equation is that that's what moves you from feeling as the victim in life as to being the creator because this is a creative journey. We're here. Um, the, the, the earth is the creative journey. So we're here as a creator. So, you know, that'll help you shift. And I, I just think that's, that really helped me a lot. So I want to share that with your listeners. Well, and I love the idea of extracting the gem because it really allows you to have uh, that idea of stepping back and seeing the big, bigger picture. Like I can look back now and I, I look back at the relationships that have done me wrong. And, you know, 25 years ago, I would have done the blame game and the shame game and never forgiven. And, and I would have really allowed my ego to, to play the part. And now when something goes wrong or somebody says something that, you know, maybe in that moment kind of tweaks me, I'm like, you know what, what am I, what am I learning from this? And I'm able to look back, like I look back at my divorce and, you know, my husband cheated on me and I see a lot of women that, you know, that becomes their story. And right. they get so caught up in the book and it's like, okay, pick a new book. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's time to move on to a new book. And when I look back at that relationship, you know, he and I were together for 12 years and it was such a blessing. He taught me so many things about myself and I learned so much from that relationship and many other relationships, whether it was friendships or intimate relationships, they all teach us something. And if you can learn to go into everything with the idea of what are the gems that I'm going to walk away with, it just yeah. changes the awareness of everything. It changes the scope of uh, everything that you go into and how it truly makes everything, you know, a journey rather than an ordeal, right? Oh so I think that that's... Um, there, there's a quote about that, that, you know, the difference between a journey and an ordeal is attitude. And I think that that's really what it's about of, you know, like, what am I going to learn this time? What am I going to get out of it this time? Like, what am I going to really be able to walk away with? The, the knowledge is so key, which is, you know, the growth that we experience. I am curious, you know, I've done regression therapy myself. I've, I find it fascinating, you know, to go back and to you know, I've lived in Atlantis and I was in Lemurian times and oh, yeah. I was in Pompeii and it's just, it's fascinating wow. to learn uh, all of these things. And, um, you know, I'm curious what drew you to Dr. Sloan and then what it was like for you to oh. have this realization that, you know, you've had lives in Egypt and Athens and like all of these past lives where you've had other traumatic lifetimes and bruises and things like that. So how did that help you and what drew you to that? Well, again, okay, and it's a, a Dr. Slavin. When I decided to go back and look at all of this, because again, everything in me knew life was not meant to be lived with a lot of pain. I just in, inherently knew that. And it was literally, it was Dr. Peoples, the one I channel. He's on the spirit side. And he's the one who said, your teachers here and I, you know, you're strong enough to do this. You're strong enough to do this. And interesting enough, there was a point um, probably 10 years prior where I had been seeing um, this therapist. I've seen her like three times a week. And I remember her telling me, you're the hardest piece of stone I've ever worked on. <laughs> and for three years, I never thought I could help you. But I wasn't ready. You know, I remember her trying to get me to go down some stairs. I was not ready then. Because I just felt like there's something down there. I had no memory of it, but something down there. But I had written down on this piece of paper, because I had this dream of, of uh, this child, this young child, down in this basement and I wanted to get her out but I was always blocked by two figures at the top of the stairs 
And a week before my session with Dr. Slavin, my first session, that surfaced again 10 years later, that one piece of paper. So I was obviously strong enough, but I interviewed uh, different therapists because I wasn't willing to turn this over to just anybody. I really wasn't. And uh, when it, when I heard his voice, something in me knew that that was the person and oh my God, I was so right on. So what would happen when he put me under because I was, my defenses were so strong, a control freak. And uh, when he, when he put me under, I went to this, to what they call, there's a word for it, um, deepest state of trance possible. Oh, the sambal, I can't pronounce yeah. it, the sambalistic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, some something like that, and I know he and he told me it was going to be exciting for him to work with me because I went to that state. So when he would put me under, and you know I would just hear his voice, and you know I, I would go. But when he put me under, I would go sometimes spontaneously to these other places, and that's when he said, "Your soul takes you where you need to go for healing." So thank God he was one that worked so beautifully and collaborated i feel like on you know soul levels with my higher self and he trusted my sense of intuition sometimes with what i needed because there were certain events that would start i would start to get a, a, a hint on something and he trusted that with me so we worked beautifully together uh, he's to this day as he's become a very dear, dear friend of mine. And I always say he put Humpty Dumpty together again, but in the middle of what I'm going to call a life review. And let me say here that all of those, um, experiences were, I, something told me to tape those experiences. So I, I still have all those tapes here. You can follow the bouncing ball word for word with that and something told me to tape him way back when I started that journey with him and when he put me under one time um, and I'm gonna call that I think almost like the life review I went back in the middle and I started talking like a Roman tribunal judge and that was a lifetime around Christ and so that was a couple of regressions but in this lifetime I had always had this feeling towards Christ that I never understood as a kid. I felt kind of a, a jealousy and a resentment of him, and I felt ashamed of it, and I couldn't, couldn't watch the um, crucifixion, still can't. I, I will still bolt like a rabbit, can't stand to see anyone flogged. And I remember asking uh, Dr. Peoples about that. You know, I said, you know, when I was, young and had this you know this these feelings towards christ or i couldn't look at a picture of him in his eyes and i said but when i would uh, see the roman headdress i would have this really yucky feeling and i said i had a feeling i was roman and i wasn't very nice he says oh yeah you've had a lot of lives where you weren't very nice <laughs> <laughs> had a great sense of humor and he said that one wizard to another you know and I said, mm. pardon me, he said, one wizard to another. He said, you had two lifetimes around Christ. One, you were a clairvoyant and a seer, um, but you didn't have the coming, or you didn't have the vision of the coming of the Christ child. So you took your life through herbology and willed yourself back in the body because you knew men had the power of the time and you were an up and coming tribunal judge. So all of that is in the uh, book, but I also understand now it was my most pivotal lifetime so that was a healing that needed to transpire in this time and place. Same thing with Egypt, same thing with the one in Greece and uh, with Egypt. I had no idea that was there, but I only knew that yeah, because I worked in the film industry as a makeup artist for 30 years and every time we would go film in the desert, oh my God, I just didn't like it at all. And I just didn't want anything to, to do with it. Um, and it was so, such an uncomfortable feeling and have never wanted to go to Egypt, uh, never. And uh, that was one that came up spontaneously because that was another healing. And uh, that one was being uh, uh, flogged publicly. And that was, you know, and uh, the ridicule. And that was always my biggest fear in this life of writing the book was public ridicule. Mm. 
So, yeah, so that had a healing. Well, you know, it's like, I just kind of said to hell with it and pulled the cork and whatever. <laughs> it's a stage now, you know, but that was like being at a stoplight with a foot on the gas and a foot on the brake at the same time. So that was a profound healing as well. So they've all freed me up and uh, helped me feel more alive, I guess. So again, that's a long-winded um, you know, uh, answer to your question. I think help? it's helpful though, because, you know, I myself have done three regressions and they've all been eye opening. Um, yep. What I find is fascinating is that, you know, we're only given as much information as we can handle. Um, yes. My first regression that I ever had was just a past life. I only got one and it, you know, wasn't that revealing. It, it was revealing in the sense that I learned that I've incarnated many, many, many times where I've been uh, on my own and no kids. So I did learn that, but it, you know, there was nothing that was, um, I was really hoping to go into it to get more spiritual awareness and I didn't. The second one, I got a lot more informa information and I just had one a uh, couple weeks ago, maybe four or five weeks ago, and a lot of information was revealed to me. So I have realized that as I've become more open and aware, spirit is giving me more and more information. And I, I find that they're incredibly healing because like you said, you know, you have these feelings and you can't quite place why it just gives you such a validation and an awareness of what's going on and why you may have a tick or a quirk or <laughs> a feeling. Exactly. And I know, you know, because I do uh, private sessions with Dr. Peoples and that's always a very, that's a very strong area between, or, or that I, where I channel him because many, many times uh, past lives come up and he really um, can zero right in on those because a lot of times in a, in a session or a private session with someone, if someone has a knee-jerk reaction or they come up against a stumbling block over and over again, well, chances are that's tied to another lifetime. And the uh, knee-jerk reaction is just no matter how, how you may um, know with every part of your being that you shouldn't feel this way, but still you do. So there's an origin to that. And that's usually tied to some kind of judgment, you know, that's, um, and I remember, well, for me, it's like, it's like sitting into in a movie theater. And when he starts to look at somebody's past life, all of a sudden, it's like seeing the uh, screen come alive. And so I get to see what people are doing and uh, some of the events around that and what's transpiring and how it affects this life. The, the rest of my sessions with the doc, as I call him the doc, um, it's like going into such a deep daydream for me, but I do hold visual of the uh, past lives. It's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I am able to witness that, but then the, you know, it's a, a great healing that uh, transpires and takes place for people because they understand it. It's like that lifetime with Christ. I understand that now, I, I understand. And I had to do a couple of regressions around that in order to get to the very root of that because I actually witnessed him healing somebody. And uh, oh my God, that was, that was amazing. Wow. But uh, yeah. And that was, you know, was actually standing on the side of the road while he was carrying his cross and he looked into my eyes and that's why I couldn't look into his eyes, you know. Interesting. Yeah, isn't it? And that's what, uh, you know, Dr. Peebles had, you know, had said you'd had this life and, and he says you were an up and coming tribunal judge and you were seen as very powerful and very arrogant. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And he said that you didn't judge Christ personally, um, but he goes into that lifetime. And he said it was simply where consciousness was at the time. And he said, everybody, I mean, um, Christ knew that uh, all, you know, that every um, daughter or son was a daughter, son of God, that he was not different. It was simply where consciousness was at the time. And, 
and uh, um, but to witness that and to see that uh, just oh my god it just threw me into such a state of shock so that's it. all of those regressions in the book are taken word for word from tape yeah, I think they're powerful. I, I, I recommend everyone uh, try one at some point in their life. I, I think they're extremely revealing. And, um, you know, I think it's what's curious is one of the things that uh, in reading the book in chapter 10, uh, on page 84, you say initiation from the cosmic hammer, which we talked about a minute ago. And yes. you say, I wanted to punish God for making me live. And then you follow yeah. up with, there is a synchronicity that is flawless in its seamless way of bringing an event full circle. I know what you're going to say. I bet. I, I bet. I know what that is. And well, it says, let me, let me finish your quote here. It says, it's as if God is saying, trust, there is more to this divine plan than what you are aware of, or even allowing yourself to be conscious of. Yeah. And that, I mean, I had to set the book down. I was like, wow, trust that there is more to this divine plan than what you are aware of or allowing yourself to be conscious of. I was like, that is incredible truth right there. And I think that when we go through a lot of trauma and issues in our life, the biggest question that kept coming up for me as I was reading your book is, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of how we choose our lives. In fact, in my last regression, when I was in between my lives, my uh, therapist was asking me to uh, show, she said, show Amanda how uh, she chose this life. And I actually saw a bunch of monkeys in a, like a ship just banging on <laughs> like the control <laughs> panel. And I started laughing in my regression and, and she was like, what's going on? And I'm, I'm just like, we're just monkeying around. Cause it's all a game. We're just oh monkeying around. And it was yeah. really, it was really <laughs> funny, but you know, I think that one of the greatest gifts that we have with spirituality is this idea of having all of these incredible modalities to really help us on our path, you know, to, to be able to rise above the, the victimhood and find forgiveness and to really understand what that bigger picture is, whether it's through regression or energy healing, astrology, feng shui, whatever the modality is. And you were lucky enough to be, you know, whether it took you 20 years, hell, if it takes you 50 years, it doesn't matter how long right. it takes you to get there as long as you do. But to me, spirituality, spirituality is the key to getting it right and having the understanding. And you have to be willing, right? You have to, yes. to have, yes. you have to allow yourself, like you say, to be aware of that divine plan and to seek it, to search it out. And you did the work and, and made that happen. But what about those that don't have spirituality and are just shutting it down? You know, I'm curious, you have this amazing mystical muse <laughs> that you channel. But I was, you know, you have um, to, well, it helps to understand that for the first part of my life, I was completely shut down. I mean, I had that experience with seeing my father, you know, because my medium qualities started to somewhat bubble up from um, my, you know, previous incarnations. And that happened when I was uh, 17, but what that did was that left me with the feeling that, because I did see my father the night we buried him, and that left me with the feeling that there is something, because prior to that I thought there was nothing, you know, that life was a big black nothing, and that death was a, was a big black nothing. And so that left me with the feeling that there is more to this, but I didn't explore anything with that. The, if somebody, I would, hmm, that's an interesting question. I would say to people, if you have the yearning in your heart, and I do believe, Amanda, that there is, 
the part of us that knows that we belong to a greater all and that that desire to connect with that and i feel it's that almost like that longing that cannot be filled by any other person place condition or thing that that's the relationship with with god goddess all that is call it Christ, Buddha, whatever it is, that one loving consciousness to me, God, and I'm going to call it God, or my I am presence, I am that I am, is pure love. It's all, I mean, ultimately, that's the highest. It's love. It's nothing more than love. And so I feel that inside each person, look at those qualities inside yourself that you love. And I'm going to say love, and I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but I'll ask you, Amanda, what is it? that you love about yourself? What is it that you love about yourself? Mm, I'm very compassionate and um, giving to people. There you go. Okay. I agree. And uh, for me, I love my courage and I love mm. my perseverance and I love my- Amen. Courage. Every woman should have that. Yes. You know, and so everybody, um, I would ask your listeners right now to, you know, identify at least three qualities that you love about yourself because we all have them and know that that your, your compassion and your giving that's the presence of god within you that is flowing forth and wants to express that and give that to life that's the natural state it is for the kindness the caring the, the compassion, the perseverance, the humor, the generosity, those are all qualities of spirit, of the, of the divine principle. And we all have those. So know that that's who you truly are. And also know that your anger, your resentment, your judgment, your pettiness, your uh, whatever it is, and jealousy, what are the other ones? There's so many of them. That's the outer part of you that wants to take all that power and control it as your own. Um, but if we focus more on, even if you focus on that quality inside yourself and there's an affirmation that you can use. And if you were to even say this once a day, let's say it might, might say, um, I am a child of the light. I am a child of the light and I am at one with that presence. Even if you were to say that every day, every day, that will start to take you in that direction. And probably the biggest misconception, because I've, I've been a student now of the Ascended Master teachings for 40 years, is that that presence will act in our life against our will but we were given free will to close, close that energy that comes to us pure and perfect. That's the energy that beats our heart. That's the energy that is the compassion, the giving, the kindness, the generosity. And when we, you know, when we just allow that to flood forth, and that's why Christ was such a high master of that. He was able to align his consciousness so fully with, with the I am. That's why all those statements had you know i am in front of it but he also said great things that i have done shall ye do also and even greater things shall you do so we knew we were all part of that great presence of all life and i think the other thing just on a quick note here that that uh I, my god i remember reading that uh, first book it was called the original unveiled mysteries and uh just you know, that life in all activities everywhere manifests as God in action. Life, all life. So if you look at it, it doesn't mean that it hasn't been distorted, but it has. But what we're witnessing is where we've taken that pure energy and distorted it through our anger and hate and everything else, you know. So we witness that. That's going on around us in society now. So... Well, I think all of us have had an initi initiation with the cosmic hammer. We all have at some point or another, and we just oh refuse God, to yeah. see it as that. <laughs> yes. 
but it, but, it could be the biggest blessing, right? I mean, yeah, you- it's where you can extract those gems. I mean, if you really pay attention to it and we all have those pivotal moments in our lives where they are there for a reason. They place you in a crossroads to uh, take the greater path, to take the greater purpose. And it, it is a choice. That's why we're given free will. So, you know, it, it, that's where the lesson comes from because how are you going to choose this time? So exactly. how are you going to choose this time? That, that, you know, that's so true and it's easy it's easy, easy to go with the negative. That's the easiest. It doesn't take any resistance, but it takes more of a conscious intention to maybe sit down and to do a short meditation. And people will say, well, I can't meditate. I don't know how. And, you know, I can't control my mind. Well, all the more reason to begin to do it. We all do that. We sit down and my mind goes, okay, I've got to pay this bill today. I've got to get that done. I've got to do that and call this person and email this person. And, you know, your mind just goes 90 miles an hour. But here's something that they can do. Just sit, if you just sit there and say, I am filled with the light of God. I am, um, I am uh, the uh, peaceful breath of God. Just do that and watch what happens. You'll slow down or visualize yourself swimming uh, in a lagoon of beautiful uh, violet water. Violet's very healing, it's very transforming. And just, you know, allow your your uh, uh, imagination to do that. And you'll begin to, you'll, you'll begin to uh, uh, turn the ship. You know, it just begins by reaching out. It reminds me of a funny quote I saw on Twitter about a year ago, and there was a yogi that said, if you don't have 30 minutes to give yourself some time for meditation, then you need to take 60. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so true. And I I know that uh, in the original Unveiled Mysteries, and this was, I live about an hour and 45 minutes from Mount Shasta. Oh. It's pretty... Well, I'm, I'm in Chico, California. Right? Mm-hmm. That's where all of the Paradise Fires were last year. It's um, very close here. But uh, yeah, Mount Shasta is so mystical and it's phenomenally, uh, you just drive by it, you feel how sacred it is. But that's where Godfrey Ray King, where St. Germain appeared to him in 1930. But he felt like that the earth was completely heading towards uh, destruction and that humanity needed more than everyday help uh, in order to become aware of how to make that connection with the divine principle, um, how to anchor there. And the affirmations begin to turn, turn the tide, turn the ship. And that's, uh, what, he, that's what he did. Um, it's, uh, it's been completely transforming in my life. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Yeah, you have truly extracted the gems and i want to thank you for coming on today the book is called walking between worlds a spiritual odyssey it is um it takes you on a journey from highs to deep deep lows to laughter (laughs) craziness yeah Um, (laughs) the up and down the rabbit holes and the people can uh, connect with me too if they want on i am within.com i am within.com and i wanted to just share something real quick here if we have just a second amanda is uh trust the word trust i love this if you take the word trust and do t it's totally r relying u upon s spirits t timing trust Mm -hmm. isn't that great yes something something we all need to learn in myself included i cannot tell you how many healers tell me you need to trust you need to trust like the information that i get people tell me all the time how psychic i am but i don't trust the information (laughs) well you know there's usually reasons for that and sometimes that's past life you know maybe you know i've been persecuted I've had so many lifetimes where I have been punished and shamed and killed and persecuted for my gifts. Oh my God. Yes. 
and uh, at least we know that's not going to happen now this time around you know we're not going to be burnt at the stake you know all of that but yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know thank you so much for the good work that you do out there and sharing your perspective with the many you know it's wonderful thank you wasn't that such a good show i told you you were going to walk away a totally different person I am curious, you know, after listening to this show, where in your life have you had a cosmic hammer? Where are you being guided to maybe take a step back and look at the bigger picture, go a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more? You know, I think it's fascinating that Athena has revealed that she's 72 years old and she's still doing the work. She's still being a change maker. She's still offering transformation and healing to those around her. So how many of you out there are making the excuse that you don't have time and you're too old? So I think that that's what's so great about Athena and her mission and her book. Um, You know, the time is now. The time is now for healing and the time is now to do the work to really put in the time and effort. Maybe get off social media. Maybe watch a few hours less of TV each week. What could you build? What could you create? There are a lot of people out there that need it right now. And you come to the table with a lot of skills and a lot of offerings that you may be underestimating. All right, everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed this show today. If you're interested in uh, getting a floor plan reading, you can head on over to our website, which is interiorvibes.com. Be sure to also check out those kits uh, that I'm putting together. It's called New Year, New Energy. There's a button on the homepage. You can just click on that. It'll take you to the courses page that gives you the information and also where you can purchase. We're going to be doing a limited amount because there's only one of me. So if that's something that you're interested in, be sure to take advantage now. All right, everyone. Trust the vibe because the energy never lies.